we, we have developed new features in PIMS uh, and those new features contributed just tremendously to process improvements for the, BH, for the BHA in the deployment of these disaster emergency medical personnel. And it started with COVID and the COVID response and COVID overwhelmed all resources very quickly as we saw across the country, uh, not just for the BHA, but for private healthcare, uh, just across the board, you know, everyone, we, we can't forget those images of our healthcare workers struggling, right? You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. My name is Michael Holtz, I'm your host, and this is National Preparedness Month. And earlier this month, we had a a discussion with a number of our experts on preparedness and what it means and our history as an organization with preparedness. And we're going to continue the conversation today talking about um, how preparedness and actually disasters help create improvement in the preparedness process. And my guests for this conversation are Will Artley and Mary Conley. And Mary, I'll have you go first. And if you will, just briefly introduce who you are and what you do at ORAU. Sure, thanks, Michael. Uh, My name's Mary Connolly. I am an emergency management project manager with the Emergency Management Laboratory here at ORAU. Thank you, ma'am. And Will, if you will introduce yourself, please. Yes, thanks, Mike. Uh, My name is Will Artley. I am a project manager and a senior technical editor slash writer for ORAU. Thank you, sir. So as I said earlier this month, or technically last month and the episode aired earlier this month, we had a conversation um, pretty wide ranging about um, ORU's history with disaster preparedness and pandemic preparedness and kind of all of the things. Um, And in this conversation, we're gonna take a little bit more of a um, focused approach and talk about how disasters result in improvements Um, And the notes I have, we're going to start with um, Hurricane Katrina and um, kind of all that happened after Hurricane Katrina made landfall in Louisiana and Mississippi in 2005. Um, We know there was extensive flooding. Um, 1,800 people unfortunately passed away. Billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in damage and we're still sort of dealing with the after effects of that, even as um, more hurricanes come ashore in or around the same spots. So um, Will, I'm assuming this question is directed to you. Um, How how has Hurricane Katrina helped us improve um, 
nationally and, and at ORU, our, our preparedness and, and response. It's interesting that you called on me because I just moved out of the New Orleans area a year ago <laughs> uh, to the date that uh, Hurricane Ida just hit. So if, if oh, I wow. had lived there now, I would not have been able to move. And I moved to another hurricane area, Savannah, Georgia. So I still got a target painted on me. But uh, right. anyway, as a result of Hurricane Katrina, I think people remember it was kind of uh, the response was lacking and not coordinated at all. And people were pointing fingers at the New Orleans mayor and the Louisiana governor and, of course, President George Bush, George W. Bush. And, you know, it was, I mean, they deserved the criticism. It was not very well coordinated. And so as a result of that, in 2006, a couple of laws got passed. One was the Post-Katrina Emergency Management Reform Act which basically reorganized FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, and gave them more authority to remedy all the issues that popped up as a result of Katrina. And then the second act was the Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Act, which people call PAPA, which was created to improve the nation's public health and medical preparedness and response capabilities for emergencies, whether deliberate, accidental, or natural. And one of the things that came out of PAPA was the development of, within the Department of Health and Human Services, the Assistant Secretary of Preparedness and Response, which was basically created to you know, prevent and prepare for and respond to such public health emergencies. And mm-hmm. Naturally, when these acts get passed, money goes along with it, and then agencies need uh, support in working on their preparedness. And fortunately for ORAU, uh, two public health and healthcare-related agencies contracted with us to help them prepare. One was the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the other was the Veterans Health Administration. Awesome. Um if you would talk about um, how the Centers for Disease, how we have worked with um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, in light of and in light of Hurricane Katrina and the laws that were passed as a result. Yeah, well, we had three divisions within CDC: the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine, and Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion, and Division of State and Local Readiness. And CDC loves divisions. I could go on talk about <laughs> divisions for thirty minutes, but uh, there were a couple areas we did. We designed and conducted ten tabletop exercises for the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine with quarantine station personnel arriving uh, with somebody suspected of having bird flu, but more into the whole community preparedness mode. We uh, engaged stakeholders in two-day meetings to develop strategies for improving uh, a sector's response to an influenza pandemic or other public health disaster. I have to say that this all this money came from the uh, pandemic flu pot, so we always had to tie whatever we did to an influenza pandemic. But gotcha. I always say the response is the same, just change the name of the disease. Response is basically the same. But uh, stakeholders we worked with were 911 and other public safety answering points, uh, C-suites, which is your executives in your healthcare industry, emergency management, emergency medical services, long-term home health and hospice care, pediatricians and primary care providers. And then we worked with communities around the country. I mean, these were 
big communities like Los Angeles County to little tiny ones like uh, Choteau County, Montana, which has one person per square mile. So as you could imagine, their response modes are completely different. Choteau mm -hmm. County be more volunteer, whereas Los Angeles is just got people all over the place. But in addition to those, we worked with Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, Howard County, Nebraska, which is very rural, Maricopa County, Arizona, which is Phoenix, Peoria Region 3, Illinois, which is very rural, Salt Lake City, Utah, Summit County, Ohio, and Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And what we did was pretty interesting. We took everything we learned from those and then turned around and develop tools that communities all over the country can use uh, to help them with their preparedness efforts. And one of them was we call the uh, community plan planning framework for healthcare preparedness. And basically that took everything we learned from all of those stakeholder meetings, all of those workshops and put it into one tool that people can use to develop a, what we call a medical surge plan. Medical surge is uh, you know, an increase in patients that stresses the system and sometimes can always, I mean, overdo the system. And a couple other ones we did, community assessment tool, uh, electronic exercise tool, pantry scramble exercise, and discussion guides for public health, hospitals, and emergency management. Well, have these tools, do we have an idea of how helpful these tools maybe have been in the last year and a half as we're dealing with um, the worldwide pandemic of COVID-19? Uh, I don't, I, I would say, no, we do not know, not in the past year okay. and a half. Gotcha. Um, I would assume theoretically some of that, some of those tools are translatable though. Oh, yes. You know, like you said, sort of just change. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the, what the, what the epidemic disease or the pandemic is, just, is. Yeah. you just change the name. Right. Response is relatively the same. Pretty much. Um, thank you for all of that, sir. Um, Mary, let's turn to talking about the Veterans Health Administration and um, some of the work that you've been doing and your team around um, innovative solutions for um, the VHA's preparedness response. Happy to, Michael. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, We've been working with the Veterans Health Administration um, since about 2008. And so you could see kind of shortly after, not too long after Hurricane Katrina, but you know, as, as we've pointed out, as we've discussed, any event, uh, any disaster, there are lessons to be learned, there's ways to improve. And that's why preparedness and um, emergency management are all based on just continuous improvement cycles. So what we've done in our work with the Veterans Health Administration is developed a tool uh, to help them adapt and adhere to these principles and guidelines that um, come from the federal preparedness legislation that is often generated after, in the wake of you know, major events like 9-11. There were some fabulous tributes to 9-11, by the way, this past weekend. Really happy to see it was, the it was yeah. beautiful and poignant at the same. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was pretty proud of our country this past weekend. So nine after nine eleven, the legislation that was enacted and put into place there, and then like Will um, explained to us, you know, 
post-Hurricane Katrina, a lot of the legislation that, that got put into place. So the VHA was looking for some tools to help. And you know that's what ORAU does. We're great at those innovative solutions. And we're looking at what we're, what we're working with the VHA doing is to create a, um, an integrated secure software suite. And it's taking the VHA's critical business processes, but it's helping them to, like I said, adapt and adhere to these, um, this important legislation, the principles and guidelines that come from those um, legislative acts. And so we, uh, with the kind of the theme here of, of Hurricane Katrina, we are currently helping uh, the VHA, particularly to support people in Louisiana to respond and ramp up their capacity to respond to Hurricane Ida. That area is still reeling from that hurricane. It takes a very long time to recover. And so uh, PIMS uh, VHA Performance Improvement Management System is the tool that, that we are developing alongside the VHA, specifically their Office of Emergency Management. The tool enables multi-level collaboration and coordination. So that communication that you know, our response failed so miserably <laughs> during Hurricane Katrina, there are great efforts to improve that, uh, that important capability to have a common operating picture so that people are on the same page uh, during uh, response and preparedness. The tool also being a, a software suite, it also provides an audit trail and data analytics and reporting and all of those things that are necessary to continue to learn, to continue to improve, and uh, also to ensure that their resiliency, continuity, rapid recovery of services. These are part of the VHA's mission, you know, to, to care for the veterans. So one of the areas that I wanna focus on uh, during our time today is a tool that supports the, VA, the VHA's Disaster Emergency Medical Personnel System, their DEMPS system. DEMPS is a system that supports internal within the VA, um, but also to support external requirements that, uh, that have stemmed from the National Response Framework, speaking of federal legislation, and the emergency support functions for mass care, public health, and medical services. So, the, this, uh, this program that the VHA has is supported by the ORAU uh, developed, designed and developed tool uh, to support the, the DEMPS program. And the DEMPS program basically is a way to, well, first of all, there's a database housed within the performance improvement management system that is able to capture qualifications for clinical and non-clinical staff. So uh, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, all those that you would think of, but also uh, maintenance workers and emergency management officials and engineers. So all, all people within the VA are, have an opportunity to register in, in this tool and volunteer to deploy 
to support these missions. And they just keep coming. It's amazing. We've got over 17,000 volunteers registered in PIMS really? to date. And, and it, they're just flooding in. Anytime there is a new event um, with Hurricane Ida, the numbers just increase. Wonderful people from the VA who are already bogged down and swamped are registering to assist those who are in the most critical need. So wow. yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's very satisfying and gratifying work to see. So there, there's multiple principles there that, that these tools are built on national incident management, all hazards, preparedness, response planning, all of those things that Will was speaking of, PIMS is, is based foundationally on, on those legislative programs and principles. So recently, fairly recently, within the past year, I think um, we, we have developed new features in PIMS uh, and those new features contributed just tremendously to process improvements for the VH, for the VHA in the deployment of these disaster emergency medical personnel. And it started with COVID and the COVID response and COVID overwhelmed all resources very quickly as we saw across the country, uh, not just for the VHA, but for private healthcare, uh, just across the board, you know, everyone, we, we can't forget those images of our healthcare workers struggling, right? And so the, the VHA was no exception. And so we looked really hard at, at the tool that we had developed primarily initially to support the deployment of these clinicians, clinical and non-clinical volunteers and, and how we could make that more flexible and more adaptable to any, any level, um, any response, you know, like Will said, put, put a name on it. You know, it's, it's a different response. You need to be flexible. You need to be able to respond no matter what the hazard is, be, be scalable, be able to ramp up or, or go lower or whatever you need to do um, to, to get the help out there um, in, those, in those really desperate situations. So we looked really hard at the tools that we developed and you know, continuously improving. Um, we, we streamlined a lot of processes we created a lot of flexibilities uh, that would allow uh, the VHA to deploy quicker and, and to have even greater coordination and collaboration, a better operating picture to work off of. And so in previous years, just for example, um, 2017 hurricane season was another major impact uh, to response and emergency management. Uh, so in previous years, organizing, even starting the work of being able to take this massive amount, this influx of volunteers who are pouring into the system ready and willing to go, um, in order to manage that, it would take at least 72 hours to get people on a roster and even longer than that. Some of it is because, you know, there's analyses that need to occur on the ground to make sure it's stable and safe and for, for bringing people in and bringing responders in. Uh, but uh, we saw uh, this it, during this response and going on today, as I said, with Hurricane Ida, 
the efficiencies that we've built into uh, the VHA PIM system this past year, um, being able to identify potential volunteers much quicker, um, they were able to start rostering people the same day that Ida made landfall. People were raising their hand and willing to go and support uh, those that were impacted so tremendously. So Louisiana was already struggling. It was one of the hot spots in the country, struggling to cope with spikes in COVID-19. And so their staff were stretched, not to mention the, the damage to their own property, you know, the, the clinicians, non-clinical and clinical staff that live in that area had had their own, you know, lives to deal with in, in relation to the response. So massive destruction and evacuations and the situation just became and becomes very dire in a situation like that, as you can imagine. And we've seen those images on, on the news, you know, it's, it's really hard to see. It's just total devastation. Uh, but PIMS is, is in a part, you know, supporting uh, the, the local area there, supporting the VHA and getting people who are willing and able to volunteer and get out there to um, help those that are desperately in need of assistance and be able to provide that quickly so that things can hopefully return back to normal. Uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to those who are impacted by Hurricane Ida and all of those great responders and the work that they do. Like I said, I, I have a huge sense of honor and privilege in being able to work with the Veterans Health Administration and uh, working with working with these responders. They're just great people. It's just, it's very encouraging. That's, I love that you're talking about the death system, Mary, because that's the best of who we are, isn't it? I mean, to go where the need is, to... Absolutely. Whether, whether we work for the VHA or or, you know, or you or don't work at all, you know, to just be willing to go and help other people in their time of need is the best of who we are as a country. Um, so being part of that on a scale of 17,000 plus people um, being willing to give their time and go where the need is has to be just gratifying and amazing. Yeah, it, it absolutely is without a doubt. And it's it's just nice to see too the continuous improvement to see that these people who are willing now are able to get out there quicker and be able to respond in a more timely fashion and help those in need in, in a quicker way. So I think it's a positive statement, you know, that you know, looking back at Hurricane Katrina, you know, making landfall the and August 29th and then Ida right on the anniversary there. And just the difference in response and uh, the improvements that have taken place since 2005 to get us to a better place where we are today. It's, uh, it's, it's a great story. It is a great story. And what I wanted to ask was, I know that these giant improvements were made because of legislation but on a on a daily incident by incident basis now hopefully i'm assuming um you know there are there are 
discussions that, you know, where were the gaps? You know, hopefully they're not as big as they were <laughs> in 2005. Um, but, you know, where are the gaps? Where can we step in to make improvements? What, what do we need to be ready for the next time there's a disaster or a pandemic or a, you know, whatever, you know, the situation is? Um, can I assume that that's happening? on a granular level, Will or Mary? I can kind of answer that and let Mary fill in the gaps, but preparedness is an ongoing cycle. It's a continuous improvement cycle. So basically you, you write a plan, you train people to the plan, then you exercise the plan, you evaluate the exercise, and then you make improvements to the plan and you start the whole process over. So basically, lessons learned from Katrina were just part of the process improvement. So generally, when, whenever you have an exercise or an actual event, people write a, an after-action report, which identifies what you talked about, the gaps, and also the successes. But uh, with regard to the gaps, okay, what can we do to improve those? And then they rewrite the plan addressing the, those improvements and retrain people and start the process over. So... I would say, yeah, you know, things are better now than they were a year ago because of, you know, the process improvement. Uh, Mary? Yeah, well, very well said. Yeah, that that's spot on. And, you know, it's been great to be working alongside the Veterans Health Administration through all these years and seeing that actually take place, seeing the difference in response from 2017 and, and being able to actually watch, you know, through, through the tool that we've developed, through the support that we provided the VHA to see that improvement and development take place, even from, you know, March, 2020, from when the COVID uh, response really took hold and the improvements that needed to be made from that point. And that's why I really wanted to focus on the, the past year and the improvements that were made in in the performance improvement management system for the VHA that we were able to adjust, watch and see what was going on and come up with better designs, better ways of doing things. Because, you know, as Will said, the big problem always, always in response is communication and coordination. And so in speaking to the whole preparedness cycle of uh, the performance improvement management system also ass assists with that exercise design and execution and program assessment, continuous program improvement. It's a, it's a comprehensive tool that the, the VHA considers mission critical to, to the work that they do in supporting um, and caring for veterans and, and as well as within the national response framework and, and those that external support mission. So yeah, it is. There's there's so many touch points uh, that we could we could have lots of these uh, podcasts, Michael. So <laughs> keep, our, keep our contact information handy. Absolutely. Well, I, and I understand. You know, uh, we could talk about any number of um, very specific issues related to preparedness. So um, I'm grateful for the time that I have with both of you today. Um, and I think people will be heartened to know because you don't hear about it certainly in the media as much you know in the middle of 
the wave of the Delta variant, but that, you know, that improvement process is still going on, even in the middle of a pandemic. What can we do next? What can we, you know, where are we, where do we need to, you know, fill in gaps or, or what could we be better um, tomorrow versus, you know, how things went today, that sort of thing. So I think people will be heartened to know that. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about um, in this conversation that you want to make sure that we cover? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just think to, to reiterate that um, it's, it's just really impressive to see the, the planning and the, the unity that really does take place as these legislation, legislative uh, guidelines and principles are put into place and to see them being embraced nationwide uh, with the ones that that Will spoke of, and it really is it, it really is making a difference um, to enhance the nation's emergency preparedness. And you know, again, we're just we're just happy and proud and honored to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to leave our conversation there. Mary and Will, thank you both so much for your time today. And, thank you, uh, Michael. Look forward to having more conversations about preparedness in the future. We, we look forward to it, too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both very much. Have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast. <laughs>